Hi, I'm Josh Gibbons. And I'm Stan. You are Stan. <laughs> I am Stan. You you really you really are Stan Gibbons. I'm Stan Gibbons. I can actually vouch for the, the truth. official. I can vouch for the truth of that statement. What is what is Donald Trump's uh what is this twit tw- what is this Twitter thing and the real uh, yeah. You know, at, at the real Donald Trump. Yeah, this is the real This is the real Stan, Stan Gibbons. Gibbons. That's right. So, we we don't we don't want anyone to be confused about. Sad that. to know there may be a fake Stan Gibbons. And on today's episode of Rescuing Churches, <laughs> Stan Gibbons, the real Stan Gibbons, wants you to take a look at what pastors must do in order to have a strong base. And I assume that with his forty plus years of real pastoral experience, that he would have some things to say about that. You think I may actually know what I'm talking about? Maybe. Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Okay. A little bit of credibility. <laughs> we'll try. Hello, and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. You have a list here of five P's, and I, I noticed that. Uh, yeah. I, I appreciate the alliteration. I alliterate things all yes. the time. I really appreciate it. helps that. me remember them. You have to prioritize, practice, practice, preach, and prevent. Yep. And we're going to go through these more specifically one by one. Good. So let's do that. Let's talk about what that strong base is. Okay. Define that for everybody. Set that up a little bit. Yeah, the strong base has to do with your core of your church, the base of your church, your core leaders. And that may not necessarily be like just a deacon or two or something like that. It's it's two or three men or women who are very devoted to the church. Um, your core leadership needs to be strong. And as a pastor, you have to lead that. You know, that doesn't just happen. And now God, really? can, God can send you <laughs> Somebody that's already developed and strong, and you just plug them right in. But typically, the the core leadership needs to be developed and strengthened. And part of the pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So when you're equipping them, you're building up that base. You need the base to be strong so the church is healthy enough to bring in guests and, and the base develop the guest as healthy, as new member healthy. That's That's what I'm talking about. And you, in your first, in your uh, the first part of the list here, mentioned that you have to prioritize your personal walk with God. And this, to me, seems like something that would be pretty obvious and apparent. Well, I'm afraid all of these are obvious, but right, yeah, I, I know that it's here for a reason. Yeah, so, yeah, there's just no expound a There's no bit. rocket science here. This is all C student pastor <laughs> work. This is yeah, but it, it's it's a good reminder. Stuff. And and I even at you know 40 years in, I have to remind myself that. I can't neglect those core base members uh, of our church, the core leadership, core families that are helping. And then I have to actually, to help them, I have to have a personal walk myself. So 
part one of this is prioritize your own personal walk. Your personal prayer life has to be strong as a pastor. Your personal uh, accountability needs to be strong. Your personal spiritual growth. The fact that you're reading stuff to help you grow. The fact that you're in uh, accountability meetings to talk with people about what you're struggling with and you're you're authentic and you're real and you're vulnerable with a couple of spiritual leaders or mentors or maybe a fellow pastor in town. All of that is healthy for you. You know, Psalm 1, David says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in this pathway of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. So as a pastor, if you want to build a strong base of leadership, core people, you yourself have to get yourself buckled into that. Oh, sure. Because you can't be isolated. You're going to yeah. ask all your people to be doing, all your core people have to do that. Yep. You're going to ask them, lead them, and guide them. So you need to be doing it ahead of them. You, exactly. you have to be the model. And by being the model, you can actually help them through the problems they're having. You know, right. I'm having a hard time concentrating when I get up in the morning to pray. Okay. Yep. I've been there, so I can help you. Yep. But if I haven't been there, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Right. right. So they <laughs> so your own personal walk is really important if you're going to help the core of your church get strong. If you care about the core of your church, you got to keep yourself healthy. You know, a lot of people say it's the on the airplane, you know, if the case of emergency, put your mask on first. Well, exactly. You know, let's get let's get your spiritual health where it's, you know, growing. So you're helping other people grow along with you. Right. And then the second P in our list here is to practice and teach grace. And this one is one that I've seen you employ yourself a lot within your level of pastoral leadership, because grace is one of those topics that you're really passionate about. So why is it really important to prioritize it to the level or the degree that you're talking about? And maybe tell us a little bit, why do you think it's not prioritized enough in some cases? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why a church wouldn't prioritize grace. because but it, it's, it happens. Yeah, sadly, I see it. Very sad. see it more than I wish. But, but grace is the whole message that we preach. It's the whole point. Yeah, we preach, you know, Christ crucified for our sins. Right. I, I talked about it today in our morning devotion. I mentioned it in the pulpit here at Northside uh, where I preach uh, today. We, we do our podcast a lot of Sunday afternoons, so here we sit. Uh, just a few hours after our morning service and a really good, I ate too much of a big hamburger for lunch, but here we yes, sit. You did. Yes, you did. Here we sit. And <laughs> uh, so if I belch during the middle of this. I can personally testify to the size of that hamburger. That was a big old well. hamburger. It was good. And our silent partner is making notes on everything that you say right now. <laughs> I'm terrified about what he's going to be cutting and That's editing right. That's out. Right. <laughs> but the... <laughs> You know, the, we, the message that I preached today had had to do with the fact that God sent his only begotten son to pay for our sins so that we could have not just eternal life, but abundant life so that we could have uh, adoption into the family of God and and be heirs to God. That That's brilliantly. I mean, it's it's, you know, there's so many good books written about grace, um, you know, from. Um, Philip Yancey, oh, Max yeah. Lucado, Jeremy, uh, so David Jeremiah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you can go way back. Spurgeon's got a great one on grace. There's, oh, yeah. there's two or three Puritans that wrote some really amazing books about grace. Yep. So as a pastor, I'm suggesting you consume yourself with that message of grace because it's the, it's the centerpiece of the message of salvation. And I literally believe you change people by teaching them about the grace of God, not the judgments uh, and condemnation that comes from not accepting Christ. Right. And, and, and I believe, 
grace heals. You know, everybody knows Ephesians 2, we're saved by grace through faith, not right. of any works. But Titus 2 says we're actually made righteous. Titus 2.14 says we're made righteous and godly by grace. Made righteous and godly. Godliness comes through absorbing that grace, through learning about that grace. It actually says in Titus 2, grace is our teacher to teach us godliness. Right. So the more I, more I emphasize grace at church, the more likely people are going to be taught towards the hope of godliness, towards righteousness. And, and, and to that point, you could almost say grace is uh, it's way more of a positive motivator than the judgment aspect way of more, God. Way it's, more. And people are not as motivated by that. Yeah. To, and to it's clear action. in the Bible, Jesus wants us to not just know that we're saved by grace, but to actually express that yep. grace in exactly. how we live. We're to model the same grace he showed us to others, yep. even to the point that our speech, Colossians 4, let your speech be seasoned, seasoned with grace. With grace. Yep. So I, I say, if you want your core church to be healthy, you have to just pound on grace, 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 grace. I'm already looking at uh, 20, uh, 2021 message series that we want to do, and I know there's going to be one that's focused on grace. And we're going to do a series just just hammering grace for a little while so right. everybody gets it solid in their head. That right. I don't have to earn my keep with God. I don't have to earn my salvation. I should want to serve Him because He loves me that much. Absolutely. And I think that's really a, a healthy, a part of building a healthy, healthy church, help them to practice grace. And, you know, as you know, here uh, and, and everywhere I teach, I really try to think of practical ways that churches can model grace. The way you tip your waitress is a grace moment. You can choose grace or you can choose law <laughs> based on how your, you know, how your waitress does. Um, but, but even the way you just greet people in a line or, or stand with people, you let somebody ahead of you in traffic, you know, you can show grace yep. in crazy traffic. Um, oh, yeah. and, and it's interesting because we want people to show us grace in heavy traffic. Right. But once we're in that, once we got our line in there, yep. you know, we want to, Stop doing that. Exactly. <laughs> now, now it's exactly. You can't get in. Don't you try to edge it on me. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because as followers of Christ, man, grace is supposed to be all over us. And it's really important. It's a blast to learn to live by grace. It really is. And to show people how to, how to express grace. Um, I, I just showed a guy the other day, um, about his, about his, uh, finances. He was asking about some things about his finances. And I said, how about this? Instead of stressing out about how you're going to be able to afford X, Y, Z, something he really believes he wants, and it's 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 close to a want need. I mean, it's pretty high, high power. Right, right. You know, it's one of those fuzzy line places. Yeah, yeah, great area. I said, how about this? Ask God what you could do with the money you currently have sure. right now to yep. be a gift to somebody. Could you exactly? Give, could you give that to help somebody? And so, it, in his mind, just like that, he goes, "I know somebody that needs fifty bucks right now." And I said. Let's do that. Yeah. Since you already know and, that, and let's, then, let's obey that <laughs> gifted moment first, <laughs> and then see what God does with the other stuff. Yep. He'll right? take care of the rest. Yeah. So exactly. Again, practice grace. Teach grace. That's excellent. Excellent point. And then the the next P is another practice, but it's a different kind of practice. You have to practice love for one another, which is also so essential. And this this is a point about teaching the one another. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, again. 
all C student stuff. So it's yep. like really it's very basic. You really made a podcast about you know grace and <laughs> personal devotions and loving one another. Yes, like there's not enough of those because there, right? core <laughs> the core of your church has to be focused around these things. Exactly, and we can get all sidetracked in whatever's going on and try to teach all these other things, but. You know, Jesus made it crystal clear. Here's the new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. John 13, 14, 15, he pounds on that. Love one another like I've loved you. Wash people's feet. People that are going to betray you, Judas, wash his feet. Right. People that are going to deny you, Peter, wash his feet, right? Um, let's, let's love one another and then teach the one another's of the New Testament. There's a bunch of them. Teach those practically to your church. So your church is practicing the the caring for each other, the the seeing each other as brothers and sisters uh, in a healthy spiritual family that says, hey, we take care of each other. We don't let anybody go hungry here. We don't let anybody go depressed. We don't let anybody go weird. You know, we don't let anybody get away. We love one another. And we have to learn to do that. So... Part of that is you get your base people to stop trying to live lives about themselves. Right. You know, if here's a, a simple example to me, and I've seen this at every church I've been at, when when the church bell is goes off and we're done, service is over, dismissed, music, you know, whatever whatever people do for that. Our, our church doesn't have a actual bell. bell. I would yeah. just like to note that. You know, we the podcast, I mean, as, as the communications director, I feel yeah. I feel the need but to But you know, the doxology for some churches, it's there's, over. There's no bell. The dismissal prayer, it's over. <laughs> you know, the, hey, glad glad you were here. Thanks for coming. See you next week. Whatever happens to your church bell, yep. in air quotes, your yep. church bell goes off. Whatever happens, some people get to their car so fast, oh, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's, it's like, boom, they're out It's a bed. marathon. Yeah, Every and, and I'm I'm b- believing that those people have no one another's in them. They're not interested in fellowshipping with people and checking on somebody across the room. You got to get the good so table doing, at the restaurant down the road, so which is selfish. <laughs> Just to use the real word there, that can be real selfish. <laughs> so one, one know, of those words. Don't want to offend yeah. anybody, but I'm telling but you, <laughs> if you have a church that can't wait for the bell to ring and go. Yep. Split. I mean, you know, you can turn the lights off five minutes after church is over. Yep. Something's not healthy about that. The one another's need to be emphasized. And how you do that is you start challenging people. Go, hey, stop going to your car so fast. Well, we see this at our church. I mean, we notice it with the people that stick around afterwards <clears throat> and they still want to stay in fellowship even after the message. Yeah. And they're trying to have another Bible. Can we have another Bible yeah. study or whatever? Can, can we just yeah, yeah. meet in the conference room? But, but they also meet and check on each other. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, exactly. how's, your, how's your mother-in-law Checking doing? On What's your sister doing? Yeah, all that, all that kind of stuff. And and just and then some of them are planning ministry. Hey, we got oh, some yeah. extra food in the kitchen. You know, is there some homeless people you know about where we go or whatever? When all that's happening behind right after church, those people aren't here to check off. I went to church and I'm gone. You yeah. know, they're they're now ready to minister and they're being the church. Yeah, they're, and they're, they're practicing. They're practicing <laughs> they're loving one another. Church. Very well said. We they're are being, the church. We're not just showing up here. Being the church that Jesus being. intended when He died on the cross. So, exactly. So I think that's real healthy. Um, and that's the one another's, you know, it's the key to yep. a healthy church. That's what it looks like. And then the next P in our list here is preach the cross centered and to preach Christ exalting sermons. And I would say that you've done this here at Northside. You, you'll dedicate an entire series to the cross. It's coming out of first um, Corinthians two, 
uh, preach Christ and Him crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that actually look like for a pastor? But, but every, everything you preach in your church, if you want your church to be grace-centered, loving one another, um, and devoted to Christ, at some point it has to be a cross-centered church. They need to love the cross, care about the cross, focus on the cross a lot, experience life at the cross in reality a lot. Um, it doesn't need to get far away from them. Like you don't need to start teaching so much theology um, and whatever stuff you want to teach that doesn't come back around to the cross. Right. I think almost every command, every instruction in the New Testament is centered in what Christ did on the cross for us. So anything you're teaching needs to be Christ-centered, cross-centered, and Christ-exalting. I say cross-centered and Christ-exalting. Now, you know, sadly, the sermon in any church is the least effective way to disciple anybody. So sure. I, I'm not, you know, been in this a long time, used to think differently about it, now I know. I'm figured it out. Sunday morning is not the time everybody goes, man, now that I know that I'm different. Yep. It's, it's, you know, I just hope they remember until they get to their car. Oh, yeah. Right. I know you communication people are trying to make it last longer. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Yep. We've talked about that on some other podcasts, but the truth is it, even when I have the chance to speak in the pulpit and it may not be the most effective time, it has to be centered on the cross and right. it has to draw people's attention to what Christ did for us. And it has to exalt Christ and who he is. That's really the, the key element of what you're trying to accomplish. You know, Paul says in Galatians six, man, I never boast. It's, it's our whole six fourteen. Yeah. My, my life versus Galatians six fourteen. Yep. May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ through which the world's been crucified to me and I to the world. And so I say you take every chance you have to remind the church about the beauty, the wonder, the majesty, the importance, the value, the awesome reality of the cross. Now, Christmas season's right around the corner for us. I'm hoping this will launch before Christmas season. Sure. We're just finished Thanksgiving here. Um, but every holiday, whether it's Christmas or not, every holiday is a good chance to do that. You know, Memorial Day. Just figure out a way to tie the cross in the Memorial figure Day. Figure out a way to work it in. Yeah, figure out a way. Veterans Day is a great time to tie the cross oh, yeah. in. Who, yeah, we you just, know, we just who sacrificed the most? Yep. You know, our veterans or Jesus? Well, exactly. it's not a competition there. <laughs> exactly. Um, kind of deal. So I love our veterans, by the way. we Man, thank you for the sacrifice for our freedom. Yep. But our freedom for them is freedom to, you know, be at church and worship and all that. Our freedom with Jesus is freedom to live in heaven. A whole different kind of freedom. <laughs> so... You know, but again, there's so many ways you can take a holiday. You can take any sermon, anything Old and New Testament, and bring the cross back into it near the end or at some illustration point or whatever. And I just think it's important to do the very best you can to bring the cross in. Um, it'll make your your base really strong. Um, if your church celebrates communion regularly, we try to do it, you know, eight or ten times a year. Oh, yeah. um, communion is the a, perfect place to do that. In. To, to center it. Yeah, through your music. Yeah. All kinds of different ways. So I, I think even when you have a song yep. in your song service that mentions something about the cross, get your worship leader, one of your singers, or you yourself if you're doing it, um, to stop and talk about the cross for a exactly. second. Just yep. keep the people focused on the cross. Cross-centered, Christ-exalting sermons help build strong base. Really, I mean, and if you think about it, everything that you're saying there, it's 
it's another one of those it should be so obvious things but it's just like you know the, the cross was one of the most important moments in human history it's the whole reason that we're even here and able to do all this why would well, we not exactly why would we not highlight exactly it? yeah and, <laughs> so. and next sunday when we start our christmas series cradle cross and crown um, it's even in the title <laughs> yeah yeah but but even even then you know we're going to talk about who jesus is and all of time is marked by who Jesus is. Right. All of time. Oh, yeah. The calendar you have on your smartphone and in yep. this these smart computers is all sitting in front of us. Yep. That calendar is set up around the birth yep. of Jesus Christ. Exactly. And the life of Christ. So, you know, again, why, it, why would you not it, center yeah, let's the center message your of grace messages <laughs> around center that. your church people around the cross around for sure. around the reality of what we believe and claim to believe. The last P on our list here is prevent and specifically to prevent core church people from pouting about the culture. Oh my. Because this is just really easy to do, right? I mean, it's super easy as a pastor to prevent people from pouting. Right. It, it, it is not easy to do. <laughs> it's actually, it, it, even as a pastor, sometimes you just want to pout. Um, but, but it, the church needs to be the place where you come to actually say, Hey, we love our community and our culture. We don't love the things they're doing, but the people in the culture, Mm -hmm. we have to get creative enough to figure out a way to help them not be mad at them and not pout about it. Listen, unsaved people are not spiritually minded. They're not supposed to be spiritually minded. They are walking in darkness they're, they're instruments of, of the enemy. They're, they're glorifying, you know, the Bible's filled with instructions about how their, you know, their, their appetites are bad. Everything oh, yeah. about them, oh, yeah. their mental Every, state everything. is bad. And yet as Christians, we sit around and go, oh, I can't believe how bad they are. Well, the Bible tells us they're bad. Exactly. You know, so what should we do as believers? Well, we should sit around and mourn for them and yep. say, oh, we've got to find a way to help this culture. Yep. You know, these this crazy that's, that's what culture. outreach is all about. <laughs> yeah, this crazy culture that's out there. We've got to find a way to reach into that and help them and rescue as many as we can. Instead of instead of sitting around and huddling up in our, you know, little safe churches and going like this is a safe zone, Lord help us. Yeah. You know, this is our little safe Some zone. Kind of safe space. Yeah, so, so that nobody will hurt me here. No, this is a this is a war room where we plan exactly how to go out and minister to the lost. Exactly, and and I really want to uh, encourage our our pastors that are listening. Your your core of your church cannot be whiners. Oh, yeah. You've no, got somebody no in the pout, very no core allowed. that's whining. I just recommend taking them out back. You know, having a <laughs> having a uh, love Jesus, love you with all my heart, brother. But uh-uh, come to we Jesus, are not going to keep doing this. You know, you're not here to whine about. You know what the what political thing happened this week that's got you all frustrated and why you're anxious about it or why that's you're right. mad. You're not here to do that. You're here to help people love one another. You're here to help express grace. You're here to exalt Christ. That's what we do. Yep. And how do we change our culture? We love one another. We love our we love the lost. We we practice grace. We teach and practice grace, right? And we preach and exalt Christ. And I'll say on a on a communications related note, in terms of outreach, and especially if you're a church listening or a pastor that's listening and you're struggling with your outreach and how to do it, you have to go. You have to be willing to go meet the culture where they are. It's not going to happen. They're not you. coming in your door. They're not coming in your door. If you're just sitting in the church waiting on them so that 
so that after they come in, you can reach them. That's not how this works. Go and meet them where they are, just like Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He, and if you, he, if, he was the master of outreach in his day. Yeah, if you really believe, if you're if you're a you know fifty forty fifty year old forty year old thirty year old twenty five year old pastor that's that's sitting preaching, thinking people should be pounding down your door. Right, you were born in the wrong generation. That exactly. was the thirties and the forties. Yep, uh, people were people were flocking to churches to hear the message of the gospel. Exactly, America's been oversaturated with it, and a bunch of churches and ministries have ruined the message, soured it, and our culture just doesn't want it. They don't care about it anymore. It's not a thing. And we don't need to pout about that. Yeah, and they actually they actually act like they're offended when you use the word Jesus in a TV show or whatever. I really so. appreciate all the P alliteration you had going in this podcast, like pouting pastor. I, I want to name, we need to start a new podcast now called Pouting Pastors. <laughs> we can do that. Uh, who's going to host that? I don't know. I'm not going to host it. Yeah, but if, but if you're, if you're, preaching the importance of the cross and if you're preaching about spiritual sacrifice as a pastor you need to be setting the example so just Amen. final note exactly. I, I want if you're a minister to small church doesn't matter what size church big church um and you preach and teach on these things you have to be the example and you have to lead others yep. and your inner circle needs to see you model it not just hear you talk about it yeah but when you take them to dinner when they come over to your house you know, if they're standing in your yard and the neighbor waves to you, they better see you wave back at the neighbor, actually go talk to the neighbor and say, mm-hmm. man, it's good to see you. Love you. You know, how's it going? How's your family? You know, how's your dog doing? Because yeah. you know your neighbor, yeah. right? Yeah. You can't just, hey, we have these little phrases like come and see and go and tell. You you as a pastor can't just preach and expect. You have to preach and do and let them You're see the you actually doing it. You're yeah, the mom. Exactly. So, That's just what you said. Yep. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. We hope you found all this content and dialogue helpful and inspiring. As always, if you'd like to give us some thoughts and feedback on the show, we'd love to hear from you at 601-909-0614. Or you can email us at 614rebuild at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 614rebuild.